You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 408, A Visit with the Romans. I don't know if you've ever had one of these conversations with with a friend, maybe, where where you ask each other, hey, listen, if you're going to be stranded on a desert island and you can only take one book out of the Bible, which one would you take? And that's a tough question because there's so many that I just love and draw inspiration from and comfort and teaching, and it's just an amazing thing. But if I had to just pick one... Um, and the, really the best I can do, honestly, is just narrow it down to two. It'd probably be the Gospel of Matthew uh, because of uh, it's just such a complete gospel with what Jesus did and with the teaching. But then also the letter to the Romans. Such a powerful, uh, life-changing letter. And, and as we're going to see, it's also had an impact throughout history on so many people's lives. So over this episode and at least the next one, we'll be getting into Romans, talking about it, uh, digging into the text a little bit, and really hopefully when we're done, you'll be uh, digging into Romans for yourself. Um, I I think it's one of those letters that we all should read several times a year. I try and always read through it at least two or three times uh, during the year just because there's so much there. I try and memorize it. There's, There's sections I've memorized, and I would encourage you to do the same. So <clears throat> a little bit of background on the letter. This really is, uh, some scholars would say, Paul's dissertation. Uh, some of the seed thoughts that, that he develops in Romans, he, he, he brought out in the letter to the Galatians, especially on justification by faith and, and, and really what, what does salvation mean, uh, what does justification mean, sanctification and, and, and really explaining this idea of salvation by faith alone apart from the law, salvation through, through grace. And so, but in, but in Romans, what we see is Paul really developing these thoughts and taking them to a very, very high level. It's his most systematic, and it's also uh, probably his most orderly letter. Um, it, it's, it's really an outline of his theology. What does Paul believe? Uh, this is his his theology. Martin Luther, who we're going to mention in just a minute, uh, said that this letter explains the gospel more clearly than any other New Testament writing. Now, what's fascinating about this is he's writing this letter to the Christians in Rome, to the church in Rome. But it was a church he did not start. Now, most of the letters that he wrote um, were written to churches that he planted. Um, now, when we look at this letter and then also the one to the Colossians, he's writing to churches he did not plant. Uh, others that, that he was connected with planted. Now, now, we really don't know how the church in, in Rome was started. Uh, some people speculate that after Pentecost, uh, believers went back there, but we, we really don't know. But either way, <clears throat> 
Paul doesn't take credit for this church. However, he has built relationships with people that are in the church. And you can find that in especially the last chapter, chapter 16, where he gives his shout outs. Um, but he didn't start the church. But what this is, this is really an introduction of himself to the Christians there in preparation for his visit. You know, in the first century, that they, the, they couldn't just go to his website or download some of his YouTube messages. So uh, they had just heard of him by reputation. So listen to what he says. He, he says in uh, Romans 1, 11 and 12, he says, For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. And when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by your. So Paul's saying he wants to come and <clears throat> bring them some spiritual uh, blessing, some spiritual gift, but he also wants to be encouraged by them and be refreshed as well. You know, with most of Paul's letters, he's writing to uh, correct a problem or answer questions. Uh, that's not happening here. You know, if you read the, the first Corinthian letter, or, or both of the Corinthian letters, he, he's writing to deal with problems that were in the church there. In Thessalonians, he's writing to address potential problems. In Colossians, he's dealing with problems. So so here, and of course in Galatians, he's dealing with a big problem. But but here, he, he's not writing to correct anything. He's writing to introduce himself. He's, he, he's writing it at the peak of his apostolic ministry. He's hoping to visit this church. He's He's already completed two successful missionary trips, and he's 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 on his third at this time. He's probably in Corinth when he's writing the letter. He'd planted churches all over the Roman Empire, but the place he had not been to yet was Rome. And we know that in Acts, he talks about it. He says, that's my goal. That's my goal is to get to Rome. And, and eventually he does. However, it wasn't as he had intended. He had intended to make it part of his, one of his missionary journeys, as we know from reading Acts and then his letters. Uh, Paul ended up there as a prisoner, but he did get to Rome and he did have ministry while he was there. Don't go away. I will be right back. I just wanted to let you know this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, New Testament Snapshots. In New Testament Snapshots, we actually pull some from the letter to the Romans. Um, there, the, the, there are so many people in the New Testament that we just get a little glimpse of, just a small snapshot. But what we see with some of these people is we see several of these snapshots and we're actually able to get a picture, uh, a little bit more of a deeper dive of who these great people were. And that's what New Testament Snapshots is. It's a closer look at 12 of the lesser known characters in the New Testament. So click on the link. It'll take you to the Amazon page. You can read the first chapter or so for free. I know you're going to love it, so make sure you grab your copy. It's available as a Kindle ebook or as a paperback, whichever one you want. But make sure you grab your copy today. All right, well, we're talking about the letter to the Romans. If you were going to be stranded on a desert island, what would be your letter? It might not be Romans, but so many Christians, I think, would say that. In fact, I've even narrowed it down. If I could only take one passage from Romans, I would take chapter 8. It's such a powerful chapter about living in the Spirit and the fact that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. So, um, but what about you? What would you take? Now, I want to look a little bit uh, before we dive into the letter itself and start getting into the text and outlining it, I want to look at the impact that Romans, this letter to the Romans, has had 
throughout history. Now, you may be familiar with a man named Augustine. Augustine was a church father in the 300s. Uh, he, he, he's written a number of books. Uh, one that I've read multiple times is his Confessions. And if you've never read Augustine's Confessions, grab a copy of it. It is such a fantastic uh, collect. This is really his memoirs. It's his testimony. It's how he came to faith in Christ. And it's such a powerful, powerful book. Uh, memoirs, I, I'll, I'll actually throw a, a link in the show notes so you can you know, go to it if you'd like. But it's just a tremendous book by Augustine. But Augustine's conversion was linked to this letter to the Romans. Augustine wasn't always a Christian. In fact, he says that he was addicted to the false trinity of young men. Well, what's the false trinity of young men? Well, as Augustine said, it was loud parties, it was beautiful women, and it was stiff drinks. And, and Augustine was uh, torn. His mother was praying for him. Uh, she was a Christian, a devout Christian, and she prayed with tears for his salvation. But, but Augustine was, was a drawn to Christianity. He was attracted to it, but yet he didn't want to give up his, his sinful lifestyle. In fact, he's the one who's credited with saying, um, uh, and I'll paraphrase it just a little bit, Essentially, he says, God, give me purity, just don't give it to me now. Or give me chastity, just don't give it to me now. He was so um, <clears throat> much the, the, the guy who loved to go out and party with his friends. But in the summer of 83, 86, he was, he was really, he was, he, he'd come to a point of crisis. He was visiting a friend. He was in the friend's backyard in the garden, sitting at a table by himself, contemplating life. He's feeling conviction. He's feeling the weight of his mother's prayers because he knows what he should do, but he doesn't want to do it. Can he pay the price? Can he give up his his worldly pleasures? And he heard this voice of a child singing next door over the wall that separated the yards. And the child's voice was saying, take and read, take and read, take and read. And he glanced around and on a nearby table in this garden, his friend had a copy of the letter to the Romans. His friend had been reading this text. And Augustine picked it up and just kind of at random, as, as we've all done, he just at random picked it up and flipped it open and put his finger down and started reading. And this was what he read. This is Romans 13, verses 13 and 14. And it says, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. These words went right to the deepest part of Augustine's heart. It was as if God was reading his mind. It was as if God knew exactly what he needed to hear. God knew what he was struggling with. And, and Augustine wasn't even sure he could give up his sinful lifestyle. But this, this, this verse that says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its desires, it captured his spirit. And, and Augustine later said, a light flooded my heart and all the darkness of doubt vanished away. And so after this, this young man became one of the truly great and most influential theologians in church history. 
Uh, we still read his writings. We, we still talk about him. Uh, his works to this day are, 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 are just foundational in Christian theology, but it started with the letter to the Romans. And then there's another guy you may have heard of. Um, his name's Martin Luther. We got the Lutheran church today because of Martin Luther. But but Martin Luther was a, a monk, a Catholic monk. He, his father had hoped he would be a lawyer, but one day he was out riding his horse and got caught in a lightning storm, and uh, there's lightning strikes all around him, and he prayed to, I believe it was St. Catherine, and he, and he prayed to the saint, and he said, if you'll, if you'll spare my life, I'll become a priest. And he managed to get home safely, and he said, well, you know, the saint protected me, so I need to become a, a priest. So he became a Catholic priest. But he wasn't a believer. And he said, and these were his words, he said, I lived as a monk without reproach. In other words, I, I lived a good life as a monk, but inside I felt that I was a sinner before God, and I had an extremely disturbed conscience. He said, I did not love Yes, I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners. And secretly, if not blasphemously, certainly murmuring greatly, I was angry with God. And I said, as if indeed it's not enough that miserable sinners that are eternally lost through original sin are crushed by every kind of calamity by the law. Without God having to add pain to pain, now you're threatening me with your righteousness and your wrath. So he says, I raged with a fierce and troubled conscience. But then something happened. He was asked to teach a course on this letter to the Romans. And so during his preparatory work for the lectures he would be giving at the, the seminary there in Germany, he began to, 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 to read and to study. And, and as, he, as he read, as he saw some of these, these words, at first it only added to his anger because he, 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 he's, again, in, in chapter 1 of Romans, is talking about the righteousness of God. And he said, I, I can't keep the righteousness of God. I can't, I'm not a righteous man. So why are you holding me accountable for this? But as he's reading... One of the things he saw, and this is in the first chapter of Romans, he said, and I'll just, I'll read it to you. It says, um, chapter 1, verse 17, it says, The good news from Paul, Paul talking, tells us how God makes us right or righteous in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Another translation in the one that Luther was working off of says, He who through faith is righteous shall live. He who through faith is righteous shall live. And as Luther began to meditate on this, he began to realize that this, this by faith, this through faith clause was the key to everything. It wasn't God asking Martin Luther to, to earn his righteousness or to work hard enough so that he would be righteous, it was only obtained through faith in God. And he said, I began to understand that the righteousness of God is, 
It is that by which the righteous lives, the righteous person lives uh, by a gift from God, namely by faith. And that changed him. And he said, um, really, I felt I was all to, and these are Martin Luther's words. He says, I felt after getting that understanding that I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. There, a totally different face of the entire scripture showed itself to me. And, and Luther became, obviously, the, the man who led to the Reformation, which led to the, the, the Protestant church. And it was only, you know, when we, when we look at the, 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 the tenets of the Reformation, it was um, only faith, only, you know, only the scriptures uh, were two of the, the main tenets of, of, of the Protestant Reformation. Uh, solely scripture, solely faith. Uh, were two of the main ones. And so Luther became this, this man that the book of Romans really uh, led to his salvation. And there's one more, one more, one more really giant in history who was impacted by Romans, and that's a guy named John, John Wesley. John Wesley started the Methodist Church. That's, that's where we know him from. But he was in England. He was a, a, a pastor, a missionary. And what's fascinating is he was a pastor and a missionary before he ever came to Christ before he was ever a Christian, which is amazing because when you read um, his, his discipline of studying the scriptures of prayer and then the fact that you find out later he wasn't even a believer himself, it's, it's quite extraordinary. But he spent a couple of years in the United States or what was at the time the colonies and he was actually in my state in Georgia as a missionary. Uh, from 19, or 1736 to 17, almost 1738, basically almost two years, he was in the colonies preaching, uh, evangelizing, and doing missionary work among the native Indians as well as others in the colony of Georgia. And uh, sadly, and, uh, he, he, he really had no success. And it was on this trip back to England he, he encountered something that just really shook him. Uh, they encountered a very, very nasty storm at sea. And a group of Moravian Christians uh, were singing psalms and worshiping during the storm. And Wesley was terrified. He thought he was going to die. And he noticed that the peace and the joy that these other Christians had was different than anything he had. He said, I don't have that. I need that. And he wrote in his journal, he said, I went to America to convert the heathen, but who will convert me? So he went back to England, in many ways a failure, and he went to a, he was invited to a Bible study. <clears throat> he was invited to a Bible study, and, and it was going to be a Bible study on the book of Romans. So he went to this study, and he said that during the study, uh, Part of Martin Luther, who we just talked about, part, part of Martin Luther's commentary on Romans was read aloud. And as they read this, of course, Martin Luther, through writing, sharing his own experience with the letter to the Romans, Wesley heard that, and he said um, Luther was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith 
in Christ. And as I heard that, Wesley said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone, for my salvation, and an assurance was given to me that he had taken my sins away, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. And that's what John Wesley said about his own salvation in 1738. And from then on out, John Wesley's ministry was completely different. It wasn't him trying to earn God's favor. It was him sharing the grace and the mercy uh, that he had experienced to have his own sins forgiven. And he, he went on to, to plant many churches, to, to see many thousands and thousands of souls converted. And as we said, he left behind the Methodist church uh, even today, um, is, is, is a lasting legacy to John Wesley. So three guys, uh, Augustine, Luther, and Wesley, who were impacted through the letter to the Romans, and these, these three men had uh, powerful, powerful influence in their own time. Well, I'm going to stop here because I want to give us enough time to, next week to get into the text of Romans. We're going to break it down, we're going to outline it, and we're going to look at some of the key elements of the letter to the Romans. Well, I'd love to hear from you. Um, what are your thoughts on this incredible letter to the Romans? And I'd also love to hear, if you could only have one, and I'll even give you a second one, if you could only have one or two books of Scripture to take with you if you were stranded on a desert island, what would they be. Leave me a question or comment in the comment section uh, at davidspell.com. Just leave a comment, comment in the section for today's post at davidspell.com. We can keep the conversation going while you're there. Make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so that we can stay in touch. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. We will see you next week on Leading and Learning.